Welcome to Wildly Tarot, a weekly tarot podcast offering messages, medicine, and magic for the people. Hello, Seekers. This is Wildly of Wildly Tarot here, and I am so excited about this conversation. We are going to be diving in together today around the archetype of the Fool card with one of my nearest and dearest, Jenny Lee of the Sacred Wholeness. Jenny is one of the most inspiring people that I have in my close circle, and I am just really excited to introduce her to all of you today. So Jenny, can you can you just share with me, like, what's alive for you today? How are you feeling in your mind, body, heart, and soul? Hmm. Yeah, what's alive is... Um... There's, there's a flow um, similar to like a breath practice where there's a pauseless energetic flow where things are meeting each other at the next pivotal moment. And it feels really beautiful to be in a, in a dense, well, not dense, in a dense uh, flow. And a it's- dense dance. <laughs> a dense dance, yeah. Just like dance around bricks. Um, yeah, so that's been really alive, feeling really, really inspired to feel my own spiritual path, my own like elder and training come more and more online in, in ways that I've always been aware of and, and ready to engage. And yet timing is what it is. And it just feels um, like it's here, it's here now, it's alive now. And interestingly, well, you can understand this because you're someone that knows me, but for anybody else, I'm pretty pretty windy, pretty wild. In the past few weeks, there's been um, a quieting, a slowing, mm. just my energy is not so like the jokester or the clown or many other things that I, I love and adore about myself but yeah I've been having less words less um excitement about all of my favorite distractions that I usually have mm. and so yeah it feels like this arriving to an initiation point Oof. and yeah Oof, initiation I love that word I love that word and I love how integral that word is with this archetype of the fool, the, the, the threshold that we must leap across, the initiations we have to say yes to over and over and over again if we are to continue evolving on our path. Oh, yeah, there's so many different kinds of initiations and we all go through them and, you know, it's a, it's a true grief to, to live in an under-initiated world or I guess the initiations are there but they're under acknowledged right you know and especially on like the receiving end of these initiations where ideally and traditionally the community would receive you as a new and changed person mm. and I think people can initiate the beginning of a change but then to also show up in the receptivity of like mm, I honor you as a new and different changed person mm. um yeah more of that. We need more of that. So powerful. And what I'm hearing in your words is that we also live in a culture where these initiations happen to us instead of being initiated by us and by our, our circumstances by choice, where we yes. do it. Yeah, it's almost like life is laden and it, it, life itself is in, being born is an initiation, right? Yeah. And it's almost like that if life is going to have all these different initiations and we can either be blind to it or we can be like, oh, yes, these things are happening and let's engage with ritual and ceremony and intention around them. Or you can look back and be like, oh, wow, all these things like marriage, divorce, childbearing, quitting a job, going through your own self-worth trial and error period. I mean, all these things are just already they're already woven into the fabric of life. Uh -huh. 
-hmm. And I think being the the kind of people that are the initiation carriers and like the wisdom carriers are just talking about it and holding space for those that are the that's already happening. Mm, yes, yes. I love that word that you spoke about ritual and it it has, it sparks in me a curiosity around your work because I look at your work as a very sacred ritualized type of experience. So I'm curious if you could share with my people here what do you do and how how is that a ritual in your mm. experience? Yeah, thank you for asking and it it's I mean yeah, it's a perfect day to really feel like the profundity and weight of like it's getting more serious and more hilarious at the same time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh, this is this life thing is a big deal and like let's not take it seriously but like let's um so I've been doing massage therapy and body work um for almost 12 years now yeah. mm -hmm. and that's been the majority of my exploration and my relationship with other people with other people's pain with other people's vulnerabilities and intimacies and then a couple years ago I studied integrative nutrition um I have my own healing journey with eating disorder and just various forms of addiction and, and deep-seated inherited self-hatred. And so I was called towards nutrition as a way to heal that which I had healed and, and, and then very quickly realized that I don't give a shit about broccoli. <laughs> micronutrients, macronutrients, you know, it's like, I, I'm very much like my heart. I don't know if you have to edit these things, but my heart and my spirit are very much more curious and more interested in, and more devoted to like, what is the soul? What is the pattern? What is the belief? What is this, like the inner workings that are influencing our outer decisions? Mm. And I didn't know what to do with that. And I didn't want to go to school and get training in like clinical mental health because that also doesn't seem like the way my partner is a psychotherapist and he's just like it's probably not the way for you you know yeah um and so uh, over the past like year there's been um a coalescing and creative dancing with all these different offerings that I have and then entered vocal empowerment mm. which was really called the community just kind of asked that of me and then I showed up for it and it was a home run, is a home run. And so then there's massage therapy, nutrition, health coaching, vocal empowerment, and all of that is starting to hmm, come in closer to the heart. And, you know, like what are the core themes and, and empowerment and embodiment? You know, like where have you lost your power and where have you lost touch with your body? And I feel like those are the two biggest griefs that I see and just touching touching people for so long. And especially I, I can, my ego can be like, oh, I'm good at what I do. Trust me, I'm good at what I do. And there's only so much that my physical exertion over someone's body that is fairly passive can actually do. There's only so much change I can make. And so the conversation just kept getting broader and wider and more integral and more interesting and more nuanced. And the most recent landing is this offering called the Temple of Belonging, which is, yeah, to take these pieces and then kind of offer them in more of a, co like a coherent um, space that like the emphasis on the space and the container mm -hmm. and to bring in sacredness, to bring in ritual, to bring in wholeness, to bring in different layers of releasing different layers of inquiry, different layers of compassion to talk to the whole person. That's really what I want to talk to anyways. You know, but I think for a lot of healer people, we've kind of compromised what we really want for the doorway, for the thing that we think is the doorway. Like, oh, I have an herbalist friend, you know, and it's like, ah, herbalism is the doorway to get people in. But then what we actually want to talk about is like self-actualization and how we're just connected in oneness with the earth. And just thinking about like, all hail the doorways. 
Right. And yeah, what is the deeper conversation that that all of our spirits want to be having with each other? Mm. And you know, pick your pick your adventure, as the fool would say. The <laughs> we're all going to the inner inner gold guide wise council fire hearth thing mm. and there's 10,000 ways to get there right you know right yes yes what I'm hearing you say and what I want to reflect back to you is that it feels like all all of these modalities all of this work it's really personal liberation work that's what I've come to yeah. in my own yeah. in yeah. my own path is that I'm here to be of service to liberate myself and all other beings in the process. And what I'm hearing you say is that you're expanding your work to collect in and gather all of these wonderful tools that you've been amassing on your own journey to create this temple of belonging where someone can step in and access whichever ones really meet their needs. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm sure you agree with it. Well, yeah, you have also quite the bag of tricks, right? And sometimes people don't even know what they need because they haven't had the access or they've never experienced something. So it is an offering, um, whatever I was going to say, it's kind of like non-consensual, but like, no, we're doing all of these things. And if you just want a bodywork session, great. But if you want, like, let's just do all of it and see what lands and see what doesn't land, take what serves, leave what doesn't. Mm. I got kind of um, an experience and yeah, it's new and it's been fun to see how different people respond to it in different ways and what a fun ride to <laughs> just keep showing up for something that I feel like is such a good healing exploration it's just a it's not even like a tool it's just an experience and I feel part of the day flowing all into the all of everything today something that just came through in my prior session was that there's the mind that wants to know things and yet like life is not about knowing it's about experiencing and so creating more experiences healing experiences versus healing modalities or healing concepts or healing practices that like the mind wants to contextualize and be like, oh, I got it, I can understand this versus just come and feel what, what healing or what diving deeper into your own psyche or your own body could, can feel like. Mm. And then of course, everyone, most people, you know, is the knowing, the knowing really wants to be involved and acknowledged which doesn't always get to happen right right so it's opening um, it's opening a portal for that maybe that first taste of really getting to the essence of their of their inner knowing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the plan you know yeah that's definitely fool medicine right there where it's like the plan is to not have a plan but to be present <laughs> is and follow our feet through the experience and see what yeah. happens on the other side, right? Yes. Yep. So I'm curious next, most of the people I know who are in the healer category, who help support and serve others, they often arrive to this place because they have moved through some really challenging times and sticky opportunities of their own. And I, I'm wondering if you, you have some stories or something you'd like to share where you have skillfully navigated these, these tough spots that might be relatable to my people. Hmm. Skillfully, you say, skillfully. As far as the fool goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like skillfully as in like, I left a giant wake of mess behind me, but I survived. Um. <laughs> you, that works because yeah. yeah, you're still here, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like the expectation of what skillfully even is or means, you know, I love being like, pretty sure that was skill, but yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. I think the biggest life energy that I've had to navigate was, yeah, almost a decade of a severe, severe eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And 
um, yeah, the, like the further my healing goes, the more I can look back and I've, I've spoken to it. I've helped other people with this idea of food and nutrition and like body image and, you know, but at the core of it, it's truly just like unbound self-hatred, you know, and yeah. And, and it's a, it's a big deal that is systemic in our culture, our, our population here in America and other more privileged countries as well, I think, where, you know, like, yeah, how do you skillfully recover from like hating yourself? Right. And um, the past year or so, I've gotten really intimate and allowed myself to fully grieve. And I think the skill came from fully, 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 fully being able to feel the thing which I was unable to feel, which was why I had an addictive eating disorder, which was just heartbreaking, unbearable grief that, that my body wasn't even safe from me. My body wasn't safe in the world. My heart wasn't safe from me, you know, and every single woman that I've ever spoken to about my healing journey is like, oh yeah, me too maybe for a month, maybe for years, you know, like, but this overeating, undereating, emotional eating, self-hating, judging yourself every time you catch your body in, in the window. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't know how many times a day, you know, the, the average person is truly judging and shaming and, and saying the worst of the worst to themselves in their head and their mind. But it's, it's like a fairly constant thing for most people, for a lot of people. And so I think the skill came as a hot mess of grief. And through like fully grieving the loss of my 20s, the loss of my health, um, the loss of relationships, all that can come with, you know, a debilitating addictive disorder. Oh God there was just, and is so much compassion on the other side, once um, the grief can be fully felt, you know, like, like the wailing and the crying and the sobbing and like holding my body being like, how could I ever, oh my God. And then the grief just like rolls into, I'm holding myself in ways that I've never held myself. And I'm, present with myself in ways that I've never been present with myself. And it feels like that there's a fear to dive into how much grief is actually there. And I, I get that, you know, I, I avoided it for a while, for many years. And I think, yeah, the, the willingness, maybe the exhaustion or the, the privilege that I've been able to be guided by people like you and other strong spiritual brothers and sisters that have evolved me on my path to create a welcome for the grief that seemed just so big that I couldn't even, like if I jumped into that river, I would never come out, mm. you know? Yeah. And then the cosmic joke is like, well, that's also the river of love. So welcome to that part of your life. <laughs> Same river. Uh huh. So the more that you can tap into that grief and really allow yourself to feel the full spectrum, the more you're able to access the whole spectrum, which includes joy and bliss and acceptance yeah. and all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Negating a feeling is negating all feelings. Yeah. You know, and it takes a certain level of bravery and I think a really attuned level of support to if, if that's a terrain that is not native to you, you know, or to anybody. And I don't know if I had skill as much as I had a willingness and called in beings that, that had more skill or that had more experience or that were just like, hey baby, this is gonna suck and it's gonna be so worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna feel like you're drowning, but you won't. And if you do, you'll come back again. It's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. I would call that skillful because 
when we know we are outside of our zone of genius and we look for support, that's quite wise in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear you riff for a minute because I knew you first as a musician and poet and songwriter. And I'm really curious, first of all, the more that you tell this story about your addictive eating disorder, I'm curious if the use of the voice in telling that story has been super supportive in your healing process with mm -hmm. that piece of your life. Mm -hmm. And also, how how is the voice woven into this idea of becoming an empowered woman? I see this a lot in my clients where it's very yeah. difficult for them to access their truth, speak about their yeah. boundaries, literally just use their voice in order to take up space. So yeah. I'm curious how, if you would like to riff on that for a minute. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm hoping that something really sweet lines all up because in, in my heart, I can see the the connection so clearly, but I don't always have the, the articulation for it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, first off, I would never have healed if I wouldn't have started speaking about it. So there is that piece where it's like, can't fix the problem unless you admit there's a problem right. kind of a thing. But even beyond that, the more that I shared my story, then my story became our story. Mm. Um, I felt so much less alone. And um, I think that's when, when traumas or, you know, anything negative, the, the non-preferable experiences, addictions, all these things become more powerful is when they're kept in the closet and they start to like rot and fester. Yeah. And so speaking it was just humbling, which is like, yes, more humbling. That's definitely one way to make some change in your life just to just lay it down. I'm not here to be cool. I'm here to, to live, you know? Yeah. And so speaking about it connected me to the pain that I was experiencing an individual part of. And like Tong Len meditation, like you breathe in the pain and you exhale like golden loving light. And I love that because it helps unify like our pain, our struggle, our self-hatred it can become like mine really fast. And it's, it very much feels like mine. And yet I'm coming to this, you know, around the bend, but we're all experiencing pain. We're all experiencing self-judgment. We're all experiencing traumas. And to, to speak about it is not only like a way to, to have compassion for yourself so that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm actually not okay. I'm actually don't have anything. I don't have my shit together. I'm just here and I'm hurting and I want you to know. Like that is one of the most amazing forms of intimacy that is out there. It's like people think that intimacy is this sweet, sensual thing, which it is, but to be willing to be seen in the parts of you that aren't, you know, collectively agreed upon as good is hot. It's amazing. And so I think the stigma and my inability to be with that high sensation slowly dissipated the more I could speak about it. And then I felt connected to everybody because it was literally everybody <laughs> that I talked to that was like, yeah, totally. I've had, yeah, it's just, it's a thing. It's an under talked about thing. And I, I feel like renegade-ish around that being like, how come we're not talking about this at women's gatherings and women's festivals? Like what? Anyways. Um, yeah, and as a singer, I still actually have not written a song about this specific healing journey and I feel it, I feel it coming. Yeah. It <laughs> you know, like that's the song that took 10 years to write. Um, but, Similar to, I think, uh, in like the vocal empowerment, what I've noticed is people don't want to look bad. People don't want to say the wrong thing. And there's this over focus on getting it right and being good versus the higher obedience and devotion to the self, which I think should be 
what's my truth? And why is that not just as valuable as what these people think about me? And I can see like how that concept and that pattern of thinking has trickled down into, you know, self-worth and, and body issues, you know, it's like, well, other people think I should be like this. And so that is now more important than um, what I think I should be like, or what I think I should sound like, or what I want to say. And we don't, most of us didn't grow up in a world where our voice and our truth and our power was celebrated, let alone acknowledged. Right. You know, it's like, shh, everywhere you go, shh. Um, And that's, that's a lot to unravel, I feel like. And so I think the journey to speaking your truth, owning your truth, being comfortable with what comes out is letting go of the idea of being good you know, and letting go of the idea that like your worth and your value is in the hands of other people. Um, Carolyn Meese talks about the throat being like the the seat of choice Mm -hmm. and also like the seat of addiction. And there's, there's so much, but it's the only energy center that I know of in like the chakra system that is like in relationship with the outside world, which gives it a lot of consequence. You know, there's like a very consequential nature to it because now I say something and then all you guys heard about, I can feel something and think something and embody something and nobody could know. But now that I'm speaking, there's now there's this feedback, there's this data coming back, we're being mirrored, we're creating worlds, we're changing the world with our words. And so there is this like deep consequential nature to the voice, I mean, and first off, just like, it's a big deal to have a voice in, in the world, especially with the internet where things live forever and things are recorded and interpreted in ways that you don't get to control and all these things. And, and that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing, you know, but I think I don't know, like with my clients, it's, it's more of like a practice. There's like micro truthing. I'll have people do like a little bit of true things a day just so that they can see that them telling the truth does not draw a direct, a, a direct, a direct line to them like being unloved right. or being unworthy or being unliked, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I, had a, I had someone ask me how, how I can be so confident and how I can just like not care. And I'm like, because I've done everything wrong. I have like botched shows, I've ruined relationships. I have said all the wrong things to everybody at least a handful of times, you know what I mean? Like I've just, I've done it wrong. And so then now the fear, the thing that I'm afraid of has already happened. Now what, right? Remember you speaking to that with your super awesome witchy session with a gal that I can't remember her name? But it's that thing is like, we're we're so afraid to speak because dot, dot, dot. So then, you know, inviting in the energy of like, oh, well, let's look at dot, dot, dot. How bad are these dot, dot, dots? And are you willing to keep swallowing your truth for these things that one might just inevitably happen either way? Mm. Yeah, it's like, Ah. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. My my mind is sparking with so many things. (laughs) And you've brought it back around to the full archetype right there with that, like just being willing to continue stepping into great mystery, stepping into the unknown, because so what if the worst happens? Like, so what if the worst happens? Mm. So I heard you describing what the picture that I received as you were speaking was that a lot of people in our culture and in particular women are really working with an autoimmune disease in the emotional body where we're like ourselves Ah. over and over again and looking to the outside to fix us. Are you taking that? You quoting that? (laughs) (laughs) And I, I just, I love your visual of titrating the information and doing that micro truthing, you know, preparing the emotional body to, 
find that edge and hold it in the discomfort and, yeah. and then be like, oh, okay, I survived. Okay, I can push my edge a little bit further. I can yeah. take up a little more space. Yes. Right? Well, then you don't overwhelm the system. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a very strong operating system to where once again, I'm just gonna like say everybody Mm -hmm. is worried at some level of their being about getting it wrong, about making somebody mad, about there's a lot to be afraid of and there's a lot that we're told we should be afraid of. Mm -hmm. And if you just throw somebody into being like, you know what, F that, just tell them how you really feel. Then you have like explosive fights and people that are blaming other people. And I think with the, with the titrating sensation, hopefully, ideally, there's more of like the self-responsibility that can come in, come into, to on the same time to come with that hand in hand versus, I mean, pick your path, right? If you want to explode and sing a song about the thing that you hate the most and then, you know, just go for it. That's awesome. But it, it's, a, it's a trauma response. And I think we've talked about this before, but fawning as a trauma response, it's like, it's there's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And the fawn just like, doesn't get talked about anymore because everybody's doing it. Right. And it's that like people pleasing that not only we've inherited, we have been given this in our cultures and our nurturance and our nurturance. And it's, it's just everywhere. And some type of childhood trauma exists in all children where there was this sensation at some point where if I say the wrong thing, or if I do the wrong thing, my mother or father or caretaker is going to be mad at me. And when they're mad at me, I feel unloved. And if I feel unloved, I might die. Right. So there's like this very visceral somatic reality. And there's a very long windy thread that goes back to like all of our little selves that for sure has every reason to believe that being wrong or saying the wrong thing, being a little too loud and having to be like, sorry about that or whatever the voice wants to express that seems scary. Yeah. The body is the thing that's like, no, this is not okay. Which is why I think a lot of people feel that tension in their chest and their throat. It's a physical response and it's the physical body that holds the memory of trauma. The mind is like, no, I'm over that. We're good, no big deal. But then it's like, the throat's like, it's a big deal. It's definitely a big deal. Yeah, yeah, because we're we've been raised in this capitalist patriarchal culture that somehow shames us for being human and doesn't allow the space and permission to just make mistakes. Mm. You know, I even heard it in your languaging earlier in this interview where you said, I've done it all wrong. And I kind of wanted to say, ah, eh, you did it maybe in ways you don't prefer, but right, like what is wrong? what is right. wrong and what is right it's all determined by this culture of made-up stuff yeah that like somehow has decided what politeness means and what people's roles are it's the programming that you were yeah. speaking about totally yeah yeah mm. beautiful mm -hmm. i just heard uh and a podcast with elizabeth gilbert and the phrase that's coming up to me that she said was that it's such a privilege, particularly for women, to actually have access to a public voice. Mm. And I'm hearing that a lot in your words and in this vocal empowerment work that you're doing, that to have a, a public voice, meaning to have a voice that is not kept intimately, but is gifted into the emergent conversation of our communities is a, a relatively new thing yeah. for women on mass scale. Yes. What do you think about that? Totally, you know, and I think that plays into like the, the, the maybe the difference for men and women that are learning how to empower their voice. I think maybe I've commonly seen more women have, have a struggle to, engage that part of their power and that part of their energy and that part of their body mm -hmm. you know and thinking back that like women's bodies used to be property women's bodies have not been sovereign and free for a long time and so there is 
in my mind, just like an increased level of compassion and care as these stories are being changed and as people are taking back, you know, their, their power of choice, their power of expression, their power of consequence potentially, you know, that it's, it's just, it's a big deal and it's a really deep process. And what I've witnessed is that like, you know, someone will come to me because they want more confidence with their singing voice. And then two months into us working together, her and her partner split up, you know, because then she realized that she wasn't speaking her truth in that relationship. And then, and then she moved and it's, you know, there's just like, yeah, it's, it is this, it's this bridge between all of the spirit energy bodies and all of the body energy bodies. And it has a huge job and it's highly unprotected. And there's all sorts of tension that can build there. And then when you start being with it and feeling how good it feels to speak your truth, then it's like this domino effect that I think um, it can change people's lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and not speaking your truth in one relationship probably means you're not speaking your truth in most of your relationships, including the one to yourself. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I'm also being reminded that we're we're doing this interview and it's Pride Month also and mm-hmm. Indigenous Peoples Month. And I want to also call in and create space and step away a little bit from the duality of, of male and female, although that is true, but also just in our collective society, how there are these groups whose public voices have been, you know, squashed and oppressed. Yeah. for lifetimes, many generations, and are now slowly beginning to have their foot in the door with the public conversation. So this work that you're doing is so critical in giving permission to everyone to be able yeah. to speak their truth. And also what I'm hearing you say with regards to this school archetype is that you're not telling him it's going to be easy. Like no. when yeah. we start speaking our truth, sometimes shit happens. The puzzle pieces get shooken up and they have to like get rearranged in a new alignment. Yeah. And it is that energy of, there's like a willingness, you know, I feel like that full energy, like there's a willingness to be like, okay, we got to go. I hope I have everything I need. I certainly probably don't <laughs> really hope that there's a, a, a guide or mentor or loving presence somewhere along the way. And they're not going to be there the whole time. And yeah, I just feel like you almost have to be half foolish because it's not, there's no promise, there's no safety, there's no guarantee, there's none of these things on anyone's healing journey or a self-actualization journey that, yeah, there's no signs, there's no sales pitch. It's like, this is gonna be awesome, dude, come on, it's gonna be great, we got cocktails and cheese. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, you're gonna be undone and then you're gonna be undone and then you're gonna be undone and then you're still gonna have to learn how to have compassion for yourself in that process. And then you might have to go away for a while. And then like, and yeah, I mean, just, I am forever humbled by all of the people that are walking in their truth, that are walking in their power and that are choosing to not sacrifice their truth of sexuality, their truth of spiritual preference, their truth with politics and socioeconomics. They're all of these things that are people I more and more at least see the radical bravery and I think for some people yeah I just really want to be present with like how brave that really is Mm. how radical that really really is to we can talk and holler and protest all we want but to truly live your life in alignment with what is true for you at the expense of many things I'm sure yeah I mean that's a big thing yeah. And we need, and the more that we are seeing people that are doing that, the more we like can support and permission and guide other people that are like, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to do that. And you're like, okay, come on, it's go time. 
Yeah. By taking a nap. <laughs> hmm Right. Being the lead, really being the leader of your own life. And that lights the path for others to step into that empowered place as well. Yeah. Yeah. There is like, I don't know. Yeah. With the fool, there is like this self-leadership, this self-guiding. It seems like a solo mission. You know, it seems like they are not responsible for much other than their own journey towards their own heart. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, maybe. No, I feel that that's totally true. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what what do you love, really love about the Fool archetype? What is endearing to you about it? Um, the OCD to just be excited about everything all the time. <laughs> that is fun, yeah. Oh, what is that over there? Oh my God, what is that over there? I don't know what that is, but I like it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I like that energy. Yeah. I think it's it plays with like the like the not logical, you know, and I like the pattern. It feels like a pattern breaker to like logic and safety and security and a lot of the things that have built the world that we're living in. Yeah. And the pool's like, I don't care. There's this like shiny object over here and I know I'm at, I know I'm at work, but I'm gonna go over here and just look at it. And it it's it, there's kind of this like innocence that's also really um powerful yeah um yeah so I I mean that I it can be exhausting you know and I'm aware of that in my own life and in life in general Mm -hmm. I really enjoy um there's an openness there's really just an openness and we lived in a very closed off world and so that openness can lead to all kinds of other things but it's a, yeah, I think it's really sweet. Mm. I'm curious what you think the fool would smell like or taste like. Or <laughs> how would the fool move if the fool was this person that you were with? Mm-hmm. I just like habitually want to go to like the stinky houseless person with the backpack on that's, you know, and I don't think that's what it is. I think there's a modern day archetype for the fool. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, here I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> what am I wearing? What do I smell like? No. Um. <laughs> I don't know what they would smell like. Maybe they'd smell like campfire. Mm-hmm. Someone that's comfortable sitting outside in contemplation around a fire. Um, I think a lot of like Sagittarius qualities of wanting to adventure, wanting to go, wanting to hunt and share the message. But, you know, in the idea of like sharing the message, you're actually like on your own journey. The message is just kind of like the, the face of it or the, the cover up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in this day and age, the fool, the fools of the world. Yeah. I think are, are a lot of like the artists, you know, the people that are taking the data in, especially like now more than ever the past like year are taking in this data. Everybody's had a course correction. So almost everybody must be on the fool's path journey in, in some way. Of like, let's try this again. And there's like a recalibration and some loss and some grief for sure. You know, and I think the fool is all of those who are like, awesome. Okay, cool. The world changed forever. Everything feels different. And I'm going to be able to write a song about it and maybe see what the, what the gold in this shadow time was. Mm. And and that feels like a win, you know, to have that mentality of like, okay, we're, we're just going to go back on the path again. I love the path. Path is my friend. <laughs> Instead of the, the many, many, many people that are really grabbing and grasping onto normalcy or unable to find change and surrender in their own life, you know? Yeah. I think the fool 
is somebody that, yeah, embraces surrender. And surrender and well, how someone said this maybe it was you, that like surrender and giving up are not the same thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I love that. And that's like surrender feels like, you know, a huge part of my life's purpose and path. And I think to weave in like surrender would be an empowered place. It's it's a place of choice versus, you know, just like the screw it, let's just toss it all in the air and just see what happens. Yeah. I think that's often like the shadow side of the fool or something, you know, that that is not the, the, the total picture of what this archetype has to offer. Ooh, ooh, that's <laughs> juicy, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in your life right now, is there another archetype in the tarot that you are hoping to invite more of in? Hermit. Hermit. You the hermit. Um, I've been diving into my gene keys a lot, and I have, I have one of my unconscious lines is is the three line, which is or the two line. I don't even know. It's the hermit. Uh -huh. And I've lived a very, 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 very extroverted social life. Mm. And as this like devotional, spiritual, future elder path is like awakening in me, I'm feeling that fall off like very rapidly. And um, yeah, I'm just really nourished by kind of like what is. I, f I feel like I've lived so much of my life with this like hunger, you know, like the more salty stuff you eat, the more salt you want. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm not like craving the salt anymore. Uh, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and, I love that visual. So much. Oh, I'm feeling so nourished by this conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love if you would like to take a moment to invite my people into any of your work, your projects, how they might be able to find you to work with you. Mm. Telepathy. <laughs> Way. Just think of me and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love you so much. And I love having these conversations with you. And I'm just really excited for all these conversations to be shared with the world. Yeah. I think there's a lot of magic humans out there having some of the most profound conversations around the dinner table and you're like, wait a minute, is anybody taking notes? Should we tell people about this? Uh -huh. So yeah, I'm just really excited for the world to get to know your community and your heart and all, all this juice in a deeper, deeper way. And I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. People can find me at thesacredwholeness.com. I have um, in-person offices in White Salmon, Washington and Portland, Oregon. And I do Zoom for what is currently vocal empowerment and um, like integral health coaching, which is basically empowerment and embodiment and self-love and joy and grief and compassionate inquiry, like all snowballed into one conversational safe space for people to just be like, what's going on? Right. Why is it going on? Let's love it and see what happens. Um, so those are offered remotely. And then um, there will be um, some type of empowerment, embodiment, breath, magic, Magic the Gathering, we should just call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine we put out an invite for Magic the Gathering, an in-person half-day workshop and what kind of people it would come. And they would, would be so- costumes. There would be costumes. Yeah, and we're like, actually, we're gonna talk about the soul and tarot and embodiment and breath. And they're like, so are we, are we playing with our swords or not? <laughs> But yeah, there'll be, um, if people want to sign up to my newsletter on the website, um, I can keep people updated for like in-person workshops and events that uh, will be hosted here at the property that I am stewarding. And yeah, 
I also will have music available on there too. So mm, thanks, awesome. thanks the the wild Aquarius world for the internet. Yeah. I also wanna I wanna drop in a seed for the temple of belonging because it is yes. an amazing, amazing experiential service that I think just about anyone could benefit from. Yeah, yeah, truly. Especially people that are like maybe new to ritual and new to ceremony space and maybe have had a lot of massage um, and physical body work and are hearing the call to go a little bit deeper mm. or to explore different areas, different, your physical body, your emotional body, your spiritual body, your energetic bodies. I think it's could still be termed like body work if you're including all the different bodies that we inhabit. And so I think at this phase, it's particularly potent for people that that are really curious and want to go deeper and yeah, explore and just receive. Mm. Yeah. I'm on the fool's journey with you. Yeah, come on in the fool's den. <laughs> oh, Jenny, thank you so, so much for sharing space with me. I feel like this was so good. I, we're going to have to do it again about a new oh. topic next time yeah and other than that i love you so so much i love you too thank you thank you bye-bye mm -hmm. thank you for tuning in to wildly tarot if you are curious about me and my work please visit my website at wildlytarot.com you can also find me on all your favorite social media spaces at Wildly Tarot. I offer a variety of magical services, including one-on-one -on -one sessions, if you feel called to work with me. Also, if these messages serve you, please consider leaving me a review. Five stars and some honest words help others to find these messages to support them. It also really encourages me to continue offering this free content. Thank you so much for being part of the Joywork Collective.